first met Susan at her flat in Walthamstow around 10 years ago when I was asked to help with her insurance claim for dry rot. I remembered at the time Susan telling me she was a comedian as I'd never really met one in the flesh before, so it really stuck with me. Perhaps not the most auspicious start, I guess. Since then, I've tried to keep up with Susan's thriving career as a much-in-demand stand-up comic. Not only does Susan gig all over the UK, but she also runs and is resident MC at Red Imp in Walthamstow, where she has brought many famous faces to E17, including Alan Carr, Stephen K. Amos, Russell Kane, Phil Jupitus, Arthur Smith and many more. I was just leaving to meet Susan for this recording when she asked if her good friend and multilingual stand-up comedian Maureen Younger could join us too. Well, I thought, why not indeed? Two for the price of one. I love this meandering, somewhat random off-the-wall chat, and I hope it brightens your day as much as it did mine. Susan's been described as a cross between Frankie Boyle and Julie Walters, so stand by your beds for a bit of a raucous ride. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is your London Legacy. Well... I'm delighted to say I'm back after 10 years. It's been 10 long years, Susan. Thank you so much, Steve. (laughs) Since I last came and looked at your dry rot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what to say. uh, No, I don't think you were. (laughs) Sure, you've heard that before, It's not a euphemism. It's not a euphemism. It's not a euphemism. I'm delighted to say that uh, on the podcast today we have Susan Murray. Hello. Comedian, not comedian. No, we're not in the 70s We're not in the 70s or the the swinging 60s. And uh, Susan Murray and her good friend uh, Maureen. Younger. Maureen Young. Is that, Who he knows really well. Maureen Younger. Yes, Maureen Younger, that is your surname. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's lovely to have you both on. I haven't yet interviewed, had the pleasure of interviewing a comedian or two comedi- comedians. Comedians. So it's, uh, I have to say, I'm a little bit anxious and a bit apprehensive because. Oh, don't be well, I, lovely. Lovely. I know. Let's I know. Let me get vicious. Can you get heckled by one person interviewing? Uh, I don't know. People don't tend to heckle me, to be honest. Well, I, don't <laughs> heckle. I, don't, I don't get heckled either. <laughs> Everyone's a little bit intimidated. <laughs> I don't want to sit at the front. I run a gig in Walthamstow and like people are like, don't, don't, don't want to sit at the front. I don't worry. If I'm ever ushering and then I always just, if I ever, say if you're MC, because yeah. sometimes Maureen, Maureen will stand in for me and MC my gig if I'm feeling unwell or something and I'll just like usher. So I'm getting people sitting. People like, don't want to sit at the front. Don't I should never front. pick on and you. Then, but then I go, oh, it's everyone has to take their turn. Everyone, we've got a rotor system going. I go, she won't speak to, she's lovely, this MC. And then she rinses them. It's really funny. <laughs> but in a nice way. Yeah. In a nice way. Yeah. What, what's your favourite put? I mean, do you have sort of classic put downs? No, do you well, have, you a, have a lot of ad libs, which you've said 300 times before, don't you? It um, wasn't ad lib initially, and then you wrote yeah, it down. Yeah, and then you kind of go, oh, and then you really, cling on to it for then years. You cling on to it for years. Uh, my rule really is I don't talk to anybody who looks like they're going to cry if I talk to them. And I don't talk to anybody who looks like they really want me to talk to them. Because they're going to take They're a bit too eager. They, yeah, they're a bit yeah, too they eager. Take over. Like they want to so take in other words, you pick on people who you think can probably take it. Yeah. It's not picking it's not on people. It's not picking it's on. It's talking to. Talking to and just, you know, making it funny. Mind you saying that. I unless guess, they, they interrupt. And I then. did pick on a couple on Saturday night. There were a couple. They looked like they're extras from Towie. And the girl <laughs> made the mistake. It was kind of her fault. She made the mistake as telling us it was their first date. Oh, so yeah, never room, do that. The room night. just fell apart, and I was like, "Thank you, comedy god." And I, I spent quite a lot of time, and I was going, "Right, so let's let's work out if they suit each other. They look like they suit each other. Agreed." And so it's like a whole. I throw it out to the audience, and I said to the promoter, "Send the other acts home. I'm doing the rest of the show myself." And then I was like, "What do you do? And what do you do? Oh yeah, that works. You have got something in common. That's good. And what do you do?" And he was like, "And he was like, oh, I'll do sales, and I'm a semi-professional football player." And I went, "So who do you half play football for then?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was mortified, but she was laughing her head off. But it's a talking point for them. Do you know what I mean? And uh-huh. if they really hated it, they would have left in the interval. So because I was always, I mean, I haven't been to that many comedy gigs, but I've been to you know a few over the years, and I was a little bit scared of sitting at the front for fear of being picked on, not picked on, talked to, talked talk to. to, yeah, talked to. But, it's, what, but you're only really... You're not going to get murdered. No, I, I, no I know, but there's always it's the fear of humiliation. It's that you'd, you'd have... You'd, you'd I think... Then some, you know, we'd make your life hell. But a comic would only humiliate you if you've been, been a knob. knob. Yeah, you it's like a It's like a kind of punishment, really. Uh-huh. But, you know, so generally I, you wouldn't. If somebody's nice, you're just, you're just having a bit of... Ba- it's a bit of banter. I've yeah. had people come out with racist stuff and then just tore them apart because they deserve it. Do you know sure. what I mean? But if someone's nice, you just... It's just a little bit of banter, really. But if someone really is being a, a, a bit of a dick... You just let them have it, really. So, do you have pre sort of preset responses there for, for heckling, like the, or, or are you very much in the living? business? There are some set. Yeah, like, there's, there's loads of standard put downs. Like, I remember my first drink. Don't drink drink on an empty head. I think yeah. there might be Bob Monkhouse's actually. Oh, is it? But sometimes once they're in the once they're there out, there are some set ones. But then sometimes it just you know what's often funny 
it's just you just come up with something at the moment and generally it's just I think what inexperienced compos do is they they kind of have this thing where uh, where they kind of engage whereas if they're being a, if somebody's being a real knob you just close them down yeah. you don't actually yeah I did this recently there's a really great club in London called uh, Top Secret and where I am seeing quite a bit and I, this new girl was on and I went look there's a woman there she's desperate to be talked to whatever you do do not talk to her because she'll take over your whole time yeah yeah and she walked on stage and she, that was the first thing she did was talk to this woman we then spent the whole ten minutes interrupting her set, and it was like, and of course, I, I by then, told you, yeah. just don't talk to I've done to that her. before when you sort of you see a comedian, and it's like watching a boxer on the ropes mm. when they sort of start digging in and they can't dig themselves out of it. And you're, I'm like it's a like, coach, and I'm there mentally going, "Stay off the ropes, stay off the ropes, don't speak to them." And you just said, "I just told her because you know she because she's an experience. She thought she could deal with it, but if someone's drunk." You can put them down, but it doesn't compute because it's not in there. Yeah, they don't process sure. it And they properly. just carry it. So it was like the whole, her whole 10 minutes was wasted dealing with this woman. Ooh. And I was like, I told you not to talk to her. Yeah. Oh, well, you learn the hard way, don't you? We've all yeah. learned the hard way. We've all That's screwed up. It's blood, sweat and tears, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. I'm just, a couple of weeks ago, we got given some tickets for a comedian at the, oh, Argyle oh, Street, the Palladium. How can I forget the, the, right. the Palladium? Big place. Tom Allen. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. And is he really doing the play? Was it a mixed bill? Was it no, no, it was him. He, 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 he was on his own. That, but he is brilliant. And we didn't know, these tickets came to us literally on the day of the show. And right. It was a friend he's of ours. Said, he said, do you want some tickets for a comedian? He said, yeah, we can go. So we went along. We had no idea who he was or what, what, what type of what type of humour he was. Yeah. And of course, when, when the audience, we got there, we sat there, the audience was, you know, predominantly sort of, you know, the gay, gay fraternity, which is absolutely fine. And But he took spent a good proportion of the act you know, talking to and but having banter with the people in the front row. And... Saves you writing any jokes when you do that. Yeah. It <laughs> loads of time, doesn't it? You do half an hour of banter. Well, I've only got, got, got to write 45 minutes of gags. Sorted, yeah, and if I have a support act, that's only 30 minutes, you, isn't you, it? You know Tom Allen? I mean, per, yeah, I know yeah, you yeah, know a load of really, it. You know, and yeah. it's very funny. He was very funny. He was very funny. I mean, a lot of the hu- humour wasn't particularly my sort of humour, I guess. But some of the guys around around us and the girls were finding it were and rolling about in the aisles. Tom Allen, which are all comics, good comics. He's got the, that, you know, he's got his USP. You know, there's yeah, nobody yeah. else out there like him. He's very, you know, so oh, it Tom Allen is Tom Allen. Very, so. very unique. And his delivery was, delivery was wonderful. Absolutely superb. He was very slick. I mean, he had the audience in the palm of his oh, hand yeah, no, from, from the first minute. And he, I don't know, he must have done 45 minutes to an hour each half. You yeah, know? that'd yeah, be about standard. right. Yeah. 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 So it's tough. Very tough to stand there and do it, but. He was very good, really very slick. He's very. <laughs> it's so, not actually that tough. So it's not that tough. Well, no, so we've been doing be. it. We, well, when you I mean, we've been doing it years, haven't we? Yeah, but I mean, it, it can. I mean, some gigs can be tough. I mean, the thing with a stand-up comic is you never know. No one's bulletproof. So somebody like Tom Allen is a fantastic comic. Some point you'll have a bad gig. That's just the way that comedy Everyone rolls. Everyone has a bad gig. So you never know. So no matter how good, you, I mean, obviously the more experienced you are, how good you are, you know, you can work yourself out of situations. But there'll be one gig and at some point in the future where they will hate you, where you will die on your ass, and you just don't know when that's going to be. Is that something you think that spreads throughout the audience? That you you know about a joke doesn't go down well, and then everyone starts to murmur. It's, and it's just it's, weird. It does it sometimes how it happens. Like it's quite reassuring when you see who I think are really great comics die because then you think oh it does happen to everybody else. Yes. Yeah, you know, when I hear when I hear when Zoe Lyons talks about dying, you think how could Zoe Lyons die? Yeah, she's she's, she's one of the best comics on the circuit. She's fantastic, and she'll talk about oh I died the other way. and you're like how I can't imagine Zoe dying ever. You can't you can't, you can't imagine Zoe dying because she's such a good comic. But it does happen, and it's really hard. It's well, that- when you when you do a gig where you don't have a good one, you're on because normally oh. we're on a mixed bill, so there might be like there'd be like three comics in an MC, and um and you have a rough gig, and then you watch the next act, and they do really well. And that they rip so it, annoying. and you're like, oh no, <laughs> that it is rip- It wasn't me. It that wasn't them. So- it was me. It was me. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> you know, they just really oh, hated shit. me. They really hated me. I did a gig once. It was hilarious. Um, because I did the black circuit and I did this gig where I absolutely died. I mean, they hated me. So I did this other gig, this other, uh, sorry, black gig. And this woman came up to me and she was like, um, I only came to watch you because I saw you at the, that other gig and they hated you. And I went, yeah, I know. I was there for 20 minutes in front of 300 people. She hated me. She goes, yeah, but I don't you realise how much they hated you. I went, no. No, no, I, they really I, hated you. I did realise. She went, no, no, but they really, really hated No, no, I did know. She said, no, I don't think you know. They were cussing and they were, they were, they were like, I had to stop laughing because they hated you so. And it was like, she couldn't believe that I'd understood that they hated me. Wow. And then this woman came past and went, oh yeah, I was there. They did ah! hate you. <laughs> Just to validate it for you. <laughs> what a weird thing to say to someone. And that woman is what woman who booked me for to do her gig. It was hilarious. Oh, she books a gig as well. Yeah, hilarious. And so Brilliant. she just kept telling me how much. I don't think you realise how much I hated you. So no, I got the drift. 
you know, 30, 20 minutes in front of a room full of people who just hate you, you well, can't pick up on it. being hated so much makes you sort of more attractive to a certain audience. I don't know. That it was, a, And then even better, I had to get on a coach with 80 of them because it was in Stockport. I had to travel with 80 of the audience who thought, thought I was shit for six hours back to London. How why were we on the same coach? Were you driving it? No. Yeah, I was doing coach right. That's how well my comedy career was carrying on. Driving a coach at the same time. Moonlighting. No, that was like part of the thing they gave you like if you got back to London. On a coach. On a coach. Oh god, Maureen. Why are you taking these gigs? Because that's how well my career is going. <laughs> Man alive. So yeah, so that's that's the thing about comedy is that no matter how and it always happens in the day you think I've got this sus, I know what I'm doing. That next you gig, you're going to die in your ass. Like, yeah. I've all. seen Harry Hill, like, very, very close to dying his ass. Really? Yeah, yeah. I even saw Barbara Nice have a so-so gig. I mean, it is weird with these certain comics, you think they, there's no way they can die. Absolutely no way. And it's weird, you just don't know, it's just the chemistry. Yeah, I've seen Sean Mio, um, there's a brilliant, brilliant comic that you won't have heard of. He writes for Bruce Forsyth as well, and um, he's well, been I around a lot. Is it, mm? I might have heard of him. Sean Mio? My dad used to be Bruce Forsyth's solicitor many years ago. Ooh, you've Ooh, lived a life, haven't you, Steve? I have. <laughs> you name dropper. Yeah, Just so, saying. Sean Mio, he's one of these... He's a really um, great comic. He's absolutely brilliant. He's mm. a prolific, prolific writer. He's just a genius, but he's never made it. He's never had the break. He's never been lucky enough. And um, I've forgotten the point of the story. Well, that was it. He did Nine. 20 minutes at my gig, and I loved him. And I said, you've got to come back and do... Because I run at what's called the preview season in July. So that's when comics go to Edinburgh Festival and they do work in progress. So they might be using notes and, you know, they're still trying to work, practice the show. Because most times we do 20 minutes a night. So you don't get to do like 50 minutes to an hour. So I have a whole season. I have two weeks of previews. I have like big acts. Like Reg D. Hunter did it a few times last year. I've got Stuart Lee for this year. Red Imp Comedy Club, if you want to Google it, people. In Walthamstow. Um, in Walthamstow. And, um, and I said, to Sean, I know you're not doing Edinburgh, but come back and do an hour anyway. Because I just, you know, he's like, I'd love to do an hour at your gig. And he came back and they hated him. <laughs> and that for was an a hour. long time. For an hour. And I was howling because I love his stuff anyway. And he... <laughs> He was in the right mood when he got off. He's dead moody anyway, but it was so. So funny. did he have to scrap the whole act? No, no, no. Or did he just refine it? If you're a professional comic, you, you, do, book, your time. you do your time. No, I mean he did his time, but you said this was in advance of maybe going to. The no, Edinburgh he was I said to him, I know you're not going to Edinburgh, but come and do my previous. Oh, I see. Season I thought anyway. this was like refining his act for the fringe. No, no, no. I, I know no. one comic who did Edinburgh, and he said it, it was going so badly, and he looked at his watch and realised he had 59 minutes left. No. <laughs> who was that? Jason Degas. Jay you know, Sodegar. <laughs> yeah. He teaches now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing when you're a comic, like that gig that I was saying where they hated me. Like it was pretty obvious they hated me pretty quickly. Um, but you know, you're looking at your watch because if you come off, they might not pay you. But if you do your time, yeah. no matter how shit you've been, yeah. they've still got to pay you've got you. To so how do you so seriously, how do you get through? You just, if you're standing there and you can see nothing you're saying is making them titter. You, well, you, well, you try and do, you think, oh, I've got a few bankers, this will work. And then nothing. <laughs> I've got this banker, this always works. Nothing. Then I try a bit of banter, think I can get them around with a bit of banter. Nothing. And then you just keep looking at your watch going. Okay. Well, you try not, you try not to look try at your watch. Try not to look at your watch. You have to hope that it, time will fly. And then it, it tell you, when you're dying, time stops. Does there come a point when you think, okay, this is really useless. No, I'm I just mean, going to use this for practice. Some, you know, you know. Sometimes like the, the promoter will get you off early or something, won't they? <laughs> yeah, they'll look. I mean, I, I, I died recently at this other gig. I guess I don't normally die. It sounds like I only die. But I, 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 do, I do. Sometimes I forget making She laugh. dies loads, really. Uh, I and um, I knew the promoter wasn't paying any attention, so I got off early because I thought he have no idea. Sometimes they don't, even, they don't even really look at their watch. No. They don't look at their, I did it a horrible, horrible gig up in, um, it was Pontins near Liverpool. So Well, it had everything going for that it. sums it up, doesn't it, really? <laughs> well, you know what? The one I was at, that was at Pontins in Stockport. Perhaps it's something about Pontins. Well, anyway, they booked me because I've been supporting Delisa Chaponda. He was he was a runner up in Britain's Got Talent a couple of years ago. Very funny. Went on tour, or you know, tours all sold out. We go, we go to not Stockport. What's the other place near Liverpool that sounds like Stockport but isn't Stockport? Southport. Southport. That's where I was. That's where I died. Yeah, it's horrible, <laughs> isn't it? So that's the black gig I'm talking about. That's so anyway, I they've seen, they've come. The staff of the Pontins have come to watch Delisa. It's the same venue. I was at the Pontins. That's where yeah. I died. But they've got a couple of rooms. You weren't on right? the same night, were you? No, we weren't on the same night. So they've come to see me support. They've come to see Deliso because he'd done their gig and he'd done really well, right? So they come to see him on tour and I'm supporting. But there's about five of them sitting at the front and they are hammered. I mean, they're absolutely battered, right? And just, but they're enjoying, you know, people enjoy it too much, but they're chatting away, talking, you know, re talking about the jokes and then they're, and just being really, really disruptive, right? And they were just, a, they were such a pain in the arse. And then when, Deli oh, when Deliso went on, he actually said to them, Look, I've got this 10 minute bit. I can't have any interruptions in this bit and I know you can't be quiet so why don't you go and have a drink for 10 minutes then come back in right 
So fast forward a week later, I get an email off 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 the staff going, "Do you want to come and do pontings?" And I'm like, and I nearly emailed back. Only are your staff going to sit there drunk at the front being disruptive? But I thought I better not do that. So I agreed to do this gig. It was an afternoon gig, and um, I'd said to them, "What's the room like?" Because these gigs, people, the room set is really important. People, people don't, don't realise. Yeah, the physicality of a room is really really essential in a comedy night. You don't have big high ceilings or round tables, which encourage. And nobody chat. ever believes comics when we tell them. This. No, they just don't believe us. I think we make it up. I got there early and I went. I saw the room and it was like big, massive dance floor, round tables on the outside. Neon lighting. Oh, God. So I said to them, I spotted some tables, some chairs. I went, Can you put those chairs there? So I've got a chance in hell. Went on after the bingo. I'm booked to do, I think I'm booked to do 45 minutes. I think I did 35 minutes. It was just horrendous. I ended up doing it to some Midlanders that sat at the front and I just kind of ended up ignoring everyone else because they were the only people listening. They were laughing their heads off. And I did 35 minutes and I thought, the staff here don't care. The accountant's not going to know. I'm just going to not say anything. And Hopefully not listening into this podcast. It's too late, they've paid me. <laughs> so, and actually, and if they do complain, I'll go, well, do you know what? You saw me in a theatre setting and then you put me in that room. Yeah. I had my ammunition worked you know out what? if they it's, complained. It's, that's an annoying thing. Like, I remember doing this gig with Angie McAvoy, who doesn't do comedy now. And we said to the guys, look, it worked really better if the, if the tables are near the stage and they were closer together. And the guy went, oh, yeah, we've had a lot of comics tell us this. And it's like, what, they just don't believe us? I don't know, but they just don't do it. What What is the reason for that? What's the significance? It creates it the atmosphere. more intimate so if, atmosphere? Yeah, yeah, because if you, say if you're on the stage and you've got a big gap, all the energy that you're putting in is it's falling. It falls right. into the gap, right? And I once turned up to a gig, it was Wolfram Town Hall in Wolverhampton, my hometown, right? So I'm like, yeah, I'm gigging at the big big venue in my town hall. And James Cook, was he was promo- he would book the gig and he was emceeing it. And I walked into the room and I saw Nirvana on this stage as well. It's a big high stage. And the tables were like 50 feet away. Never going to work. And I went in and, I, and James was sitting, he had literally backstage, he had his head in his hands. <laughs> and I went, James, the tables are really far from the stage. He went, I know, they've already moved them forward 50 feet. I'm like, no, no way. So the manager, I went to speak to the manager, he wasn't having it right. And he was going, well, you know, we've got a disco afterwards. I was like, look, all venues have a disco afterwards. You just get staff to move the tables. It'll get people to move. It doesn't, it takes 10 minutes. It'll make the gig, it, not, not having it, not having it. And then about six months later, I'm doing a gig in Telford, right? It's the manager. He's moved from the Wolfram to this venue in Telford. And he said to me, and I didn't really recognise him, actually. He went, I owe you an apology. I went, oh. He went, because in Wolverhampton, you said about the tables being near the front. And actually, you were, re- you were spot on. So now he was at this venue. And I think Karen Bailey was booking it, actually. The du- he was so on it. He now had a dummy row of seats at the front. You know, you put seats mm. really close, knowing full well no one sits in it. And then, and then you them. take them out before the gig starts. So the people who would think they're in the second row, they're suddenly in the <laughs> first row. And he was so on it and he completely changed his mind. Yeah, and that's the annoying thing that people think comedy works anywhere. It Just doesn't. Like when charity gigs, I did a charity gig. It was a nightmare. They, they, it was like in a pit. So the audience were above you. What? Well, oh yeah, and this the lighting that the lights, I hope you've done your roots. The stage lighting, the stage. Oh, it didn't really matter because the stage lighting lit up everywhere apart from the bit where you were standing because the mic could only hit a back of really short wires, so you couldn't move to where the light was. Oh great! They had been drinking for four hours. They weren't listening to the band that was like had like two electric guitars. I thought, oh well, I've got a good chance now. Then the woman whose charity it was did about ten minutes about her dying friend. <laughs> it was really emotional. Everybody was in tears, and then went right now for the comedy. <laughs> Oh, oh and it was like it was. They're playing. Oh yeah, they're playing beer ping pong at the back. I mean, it was just. So you got to have some respect for the guys who do these big auditoriums, these big places like the Palladium and the Albert Hall. Well, not really, because no. the audience have come to see them specifically. And right. also, I mean, that, those and are the also, so that it's it's a you've already won the audience up because they've come to see the gigs that we do. They've not come to see us. They don't know who we are. They just come to be entertained. So you have to win them over within the first right. two minutes. Yeah. Well, a woman, a woman's got thirty <laughs> seconds. A man's got about five minutes. But um, so yeah, I mean, well, those yeah, because they're they're invested into in you as a comic if it's the big the big venues. I mean, massive venues generally aren't that great to play. It just makes a lot of money for the promoters. Yeah, Mickey Flanagan. Did he do twenty one dates at um, the old? Mickey two, Flanagan's great though. He's great he is comic. brilliant. Yeah, but I mean, I spoke to Al Murray about that venue because he played there once, and he said it's really weird because it's so big. When you hear the laughter, it takes it. It takes a while for the sound to travel, mm. so your timing's really off. And they're watching the screen. They're not actually watching you. Mm. He says you just have to plow through it. So no one enjoys those gigs. I mean, because you can't engage with the audience. They're too far away. I mean, I've done the, the biggest gigs I've done is about 2,000. And that's nice because actually the way they've built it, it's, though it's a big venue, it does seem quite close. And that kind of works. And I've watched it live at the Apollo. I haven't been in it. I've watched it. I've been in the audience. And that's like three and a half. And I think that's probably probably 
you know, that's a nice audience. But mm. I think when, you, when you're talking about 20,000 or something, whatever it is, yeah, it's ridiculous. that is just, it's money making. Because mm. comedy basically works better. In, in a small venue. In a smaller what venue. You, what you really want is a cellar with a low ceiling. And yeah. everyone, everyone on stools crammed together like the one at Bracknell. That's a really nice gig, isn't it? You skated over the comment about men having a couple of minutes extra to, to win the audience over than women. Yeah, that, I, yeah. Does that really hold true yes. today? And I think, Seriously. Yeah, and I think men generally, uh, they're being very proactive towards women at the moment, but I think as a male comic, you're given more rope to, to hang yourself. So like, what you do is, as a comic to trying to get the bigger clubs, you get open spots. And so you do like five, ten minutes, say. And I think as a as a male comic, if you do all right, they'll assume that you yeah, do all right, we'll give them another chance. But as a woman, you've got to go in there and you've got to rip it. Because if you just do all right, they'll just assume you're just an all right comedian. Mm. So you, as a woman, you've got, there's a lot more pressure on you Men not get to just more... do well, but you've got to do... Stop making noise with your hands. Sorry, you've got to do really, really well. <laughs> She's slapping and you never do it normally, do you? I know. She's nervous. I'm She's nervous. nervous. She's lying. Very shy. <laughs> the thing is... Audiences and bookers give men the benefit of the doubt. More yeah, than women. that is true. We judge way, way more harshly. But I've had like young girls at gigs come up to me saying, "I don't normally find women funny, but I thought you oh, were you good." Get and that you all just the think, time. but you think you're twenty two. Who are your mates? My mates are hilarious. All my female friends are hilarious, right? I'm thinking, who are these? Who are you hanging out with? On the other hand, you, what you, you don't want to do is assume that every time you don't get a job or you don't get into a club, it's because you're a woman. Of course, not. sometimes it's not always the case. Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes you hear people banging on, you think, well, that might not be, because there's some female comics I don't book, and I run an all-female comedy night in uh, Yeah, I'm very, I'm very proud of At the female. retro bar. You so, don't book them? Before. Oh, no, I, I mean, it's an all-female comedy night, so I, I but comedy it's, all the comedy nights, right. are, they're all female. But there's some comics out there, female comics, I wouldn't book, because they're not my cup of tea. So it's not necessarily because you're not getting booked because you're a woman. It might yeah, be but you shouldn't have to justify it on the basis yeah. that, you know, it's because they're a woman or something. It's because yeah. they're, you know, their comedy doesn't fit. Yeah, the comedy But then you do get some people who assume every time they don't get booked, it's, oh, it's because I'm a woman. You think, that's not necessarily... That, there's not the sexism out there, there's sexism out there, there's ageism out there, there's racism out there. But I think you can't always assume that's the reason why you're not getting mm. booked. Do you get that thrown at you from the audience? What? The- Sexist comments? In form of heckling, a couple of times, but I mean, I'm not very often. These not very days. often, but then we're both quite. Um, I would say assertive. quite assertive women. Ballsy. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think we, you know. I think when men are going to be sexist, they're not going to come do it to us. To it to us. They'll choose somebody who's who doesn't look like they could punch them. So I, um, you know, but you know, we're not like me and Jen Bristol were saying that. You know, who's a very good female comic. We we're kind of very ballsy women. So people are. I mean, I've had a few things, but I don't think I'd, I I wouldn't get probably the rough end of it. And also I'm middle-aged. So I think if you're a younger, younger female comic, you probably get get that a lot worse than a middle-aged woman. Sure. I've seen a video of um, a female comic. Have you done that gig in Bournemouth, the one that's mainly stag do's? No. I've done it loads, Sadly, actually. I've missed that one. Well, it's, I've, I'm the only woman that headlines it, and it's most, mostly stag do's. And there was... Somebody put a video up, and it was on about rape culture. And um, I won't mention her name, but you do know her. Mm. And um, some of the bloke, she was chatting to this stag do, and, and the one of the, she went, what do you do? And he went, oh, he, he went, oh, I'm a rapist, right? And she was like, oh. Um, uh, and, and like me and Ninja both, what, Ninja Benjamin, another female friend, another female comic Absolutely friend. Absolutely comic. Really, really ballsy. And we both just went, I would not have stood for that. No. I'd have been like, well, oh, really? Well, I better ring the, you know, better ring the police and having thrown, you know, I've just been really harsh on him, but where she didn't. She didn't really. Because there's know. a there's a not even a fine line of things like that. That's just a line you don't cross. Well, it's when men get together. Stag dudes, when men get together in groups, it's like their IQ just tumbles, and they just turn into utter utter morons. I don't know but how like, you could. Poss- why would really you want to? But why would you want to perform to these drunken? Money. It's how we earn our age. But you don't know. You don't know who the audience is going to be in the audience. Yeah, you um, can't predict. But a stag dude, a stag dude, there's only different degrees of. But when we started out, you'd get some of the intros. All female comics can tell you about really shitty intros that they've had. I mean, I had one guy who went, um, "Next, that's a female comic. Let's hope she doesn't show us her flange." And I went up and accidentally slapped him. Mm. But um, <laughs> it was just a fluke. I'm very clumsy. But I am. Um, <laughs> And it was a competition, really. I didn't get through. It's weird. And then what was really funny, because I I got I was fuming, I went off and told him off for annoying me. <laughs> After I'd hit him. After you hit him? Yeah. Oh, don't you ever do that again. He was like, no, Maureen. <laughs> was he cowering in the corner? <laughs> yeah. I, I threw him to clock another guy, because I, luckily he, I didn't hear what he, he was saying about me. I was actually being very professional, talking to another comic at the back. But um, he was going, oh, Maureen Younger likes to be played with down there. And he was like... What? Yeah, down below. And I caught that bit and I went, what did he say? What else was he saying? And nobody would tell me because by this point I was livid. <laughs> and um, nobody would tell me what else he said. So I only heard that bit, luckily for him. 
And I remember I frog marched him out the um, venue at the interval. I went, you talk about me like that again on stage, I will clock you one. And I was quite... Um, I this is only two times I've threatened people I hate to say it work and um, what was quite funny is he went back on stage and ha he introduced me by the next act threatened to clock me one and that was my introduction <laughs> but it was like but you know all women have had uh, intros like that and then you're Mary, meant to go on Mary Bortop she had one um, the guy went the next act is a woman but she's having a go Mary, Mary had a go at him. She's quite intimidated. She scares me, actually, Mary. She's a great, great comic. Do you, do you think some of this is because a lot of your humour can be quite close to the mark, some of the, some of the humour? Well, no, they're doing I just think it. it's laid to misogyny. It's just yeah. it's misogyny. It's got nothing to do with our humour. Um, and I think they think they're being funny. I, I had this thing twice at a club, which I won't mention, where the, the comp, you came off and you can't hear what the compere says after you go off because the door shuts. And he every time I did the gig, he'd go... And I only found out when I got the tape when I came home. Uh, I fucked her. What? Yeah. And so, of course, it's just undermining you completely because they're not thinking, oh, she was great or she was shit. What they're thinking, oh, did he fuck her? And of course, you're, you're unaware as a comic that he's done that. So that audience then go away, assuming that any woman who's on any comedy bill is only getting there because... But also, they're not going to be thinking about your comedy for good or for bad. They'll be thinking, oh, did he yeah, fuck yeah. her? Mm, yeah, that's shocking. And then you, when you say anything, they go, oh, it's just a joke. Really? How do you describe your style of humour? I mean, do you have a particular... Very zen. Do you fall into particular... <laughs> you're very what? Very zen. Very zen. It's a very sad, very zen. Is it a particular it's, it's... genre or is it something that you just... I mean, develop... I do observational. Oh. Most most comics do, do observational. observational. Mine's quite... It can be quite acerbic, cynical, very cynical. Quite dark, actually, mine is. What's yours, Yeah, mine's Maureen? not dark. Uh, observational. Mm. Mainly, mainly me talking about myself because I found myself fascinating. <laughs> I mean, not many people share that point of view, but it doesn't stop me. So yeah, I mean, it's just. That, but I do, and I've ended up doing a lot of emceeing now. So I do, and do do a lot of. I do a lot of emceeing, a lot of bantering well. and stuff. Yeah, which I quite. I mean, I like emceeing. I enjoy it. I prefer. I oh, do. I prefer it. I like the freedom that you have when yeah. you're emceeing. I tell you what annoys me when I'm emceeing is if. I introduce I've done loads of banter with the, in the audience oh, and then they, they, and they go on and they re-MC the gig because they haven't written any jokes and you just think I've just done this you idiot it's really annoying and um, what is great when you're an MC is that sometime halfway through the show normally somebody comes up to you and goes you should do stand up you know because you're really funny you're they like, don't realise you're an actor as well it's really like, funny oh, yeah that's what I've been doing all day love but uh, <laughs> but that's quite I mean it's quite a compliment yeah the only thing trouble about MCing is you've got to stay to the bitter end and it depends who else is on if it's really good comics you don't mind yeah because you're watching the show you're watching you? them but sometimes you're like I just want to go home. <laughs> I just want to do my job and leave. I just want to go home now. Yeah. So you're performing, Susan, at your own, is it your own club, the Red, Red Imp? Is this yeah, your... I run Red Imp Comedy Club. I've had that for seven years. And Red Imp I'm... is a deriv derivative of uh, Red Harvey Dwarf. the Red Imp, which is a nickname that I had as a teenager. All <laughs> oh, right, so nothing um, to do with Red Dwarf then. No. And it's nothing to There's a football team fan called, the nickname's Red Imps or something like Red that. Red Devils? Well, no. There's the Red Devils, Man No, United. there's Red Imps somewhere. There... Anyway, and there's another, anyway. So yeah, I run that and I uh, MC it as well. And then I work at other gigs as well. So say for last Saturday night, I was in Windsor. Where am I this Saturday? Oh, I'm doing the banana in Balham on Friday Ooh. and Saturday. Mm, get me. Friday, I'm in Bedford. Wow. <laughs> don't want to boast. And uh, Saturday, I'm... Selecting, I'm at the new act of the year thing at Hackney Empire. I'm one of the judges. Oh, doing the natives. One of the selectors. And then Sunday, I'm in Birmingham. I'm always in Birmingham and I'm always in the Midlands. You should just go and live in Birmingham. I should just go and live. I'm always gigging in the Midlands. So I'm doing a tour with Noreen Khan, who's very big on the radio, Asian radio network. Never heard of her. No, but you probably don't listen to Asian radio network, do you? Mm, no. I'm more of an XFM girl myself, to yeah. be honest. So, yeah, so that's, where I, that's what I'm doing this week. So do you have your own agents or do you sort of do your own bookings and people come to you? I have an agent, but I do my own live work because when you've been gigging for as long as we have, you don't need someone taking 15% plus fat off stuff you can do yourself True. with your eyes closed. People because people come to you. You know them anyway, do you know what I mean? Right. So, And it's all just done by email. So you don't, you know. I have a manager on the black circuit, but for the mainstream, I just book myself, really. Mm, yeah, uh -huh. it's that easy. So... Red Imp is once a month you have um It's generally the first Wednesday or Thursday of the month. I've managed to get this right. I have managed to book female headliners for the Ooh. whole of this first season. Brilliant. So for the um you have like three seasons in comedy, you have like spring um and then autumn, don't we really? So I've had Josie Longan in January. I've got Shappy Call Shandy next week. I've got uh who have I got in March? I've got I managed to get um Nina Conti. Oh. But she's doing a double act with some guy. She's she's dressed as a monkey. So they've got some <laughs> double acts. Sounds perfectly fine. Yeah. And then um and then in March, April I've got Joe Caulfield. And in May I've got Zoe Lyons. Oh, that's very good. Guess we've got in June? 
Don't know. Milton Jones! No, Milton Jones. He's I'm hysterical. well chuffed about that. <laughs> he's, uh, he's hilarious. Yeah, I gigged with him recently and went, Milton, what's it going to take for me to get you to do my gig? Because I've, I've been asking him for years and he's finally agreed to do it, so that's good. So, so has I'm it got now sort of built up? You've been there for a number of years now, haven't you? Yeah, I've been there for seven years and it's quite well it's known nice in the area. I was going to say, so it's built up a, a bit of a it's reputation. A, it's a lovely gig and the audience are really nice because round here... The demographic is generally slightly kind of slightly more down at heel media types, and then you've got teachers, social workers. So it's a really nice kind of demographic of people. And then the actual pub I run it in, the age group in there is kind of like sort of late thirties to sort of sixties. So it's a kind of slightly older crowd, mm. and they're really they're quite comedy savvy, aren't they? Mm. They're just a really really nice crowd, and like acts like coming back they do work in progress and they can use notes and practice what they're doing so I mean the people who like doing it the big acts are people like Stuart Lee he did a benefit for me last week actually Omid Jalili Andy Parsons oh wow so, so you've had some really so, big and, and then, I, last time I emceed it I was on the legend of Barry Cryer yeah. oh wow Barry Cryer I was ill that Re- night yeah you were ill it was really funny that night I was, nice I was had there was another comic who lives nearly here and he was a, I think he did was he ushering for us yeah so he was ushering I was ill, so I was on the door. You were emceeing because I was ill. And then I And got then she Ill. got taken ill during the gig. The guy who was ushering, he had a really bad headache and he went home sick. And it was like everybody was dropping it like was, flies. It, Comedy got, of errors. I mean, like, he's, Barry's great. But, like, I got so ill that, like, on, during the interval, like, when Barry was on. You were lying down. I was you? lying down with a blanket. I, I started shivering, didn't I? I yeah. sh- don't know what it was. I hurt my arm or neck or something and then it started shivering. And then I went back on and then I went off and then I was like... <laughs> Back under the blanket. I mean, that's the joys of performing. You've got to carry on. But Barry cry good as a. As oh yeah, that. amazing. Yeah. That was one of the best we've really, ever had. Really, it was a lovely audience. But it was a great night. Do you know, we had twenty no shows that night. I don't know why. He's hilarious. At one, at one point, guy backstage. At one point, there were thirty people missing. We were meant to start at half past eight. And at one, I looked at the list. I was like, "There's thirty people haven't turned up." And I went downstairs to the bar stuff, and I went, well, "Has there been a list? massive car crash or something? What's going on?" Oh, right. And then ten people turned up late, and then twenty people just didn't show up. And um, but it was a, it was an amazing really good night. night. He's him and Ronnie Golden. He's I, in a I heard band. him do an after dinner speech once at a charity gig, and He's great, he, he was really very good. By the end of it, but, you just want him to adopt you. Can you yeah. adopt me? Very God. funny, and he's got loads of anecdotes. You got lots. Of, lots Do you know of he anecdotes. fell over and broke his hip? Yes, I know. So he's been in he was in hospital before Christmas. No, that won't be good. Because he's not not a young man, is yeah, he? Yeah, he's eighty three. Is he really? Eighty three. I thought. It was well, that's well, I don't know. That's what he said on his stage. But right, that's okay. probably a joke. I don't know. And I run a gig called My Comedy once a month. Actually, the same date as usually first Thursday of the month. Like mine, mine seems to be more morphing to Wednesday. Uh, well, that's good. And then that basically it's all female performers, but we do allow men in the audience. Particularly if they're over 30, single, no emotional baggage. <laughs> Straight. They're more than welcome to come along if you're listening at the Retro Bar. And so, we, yeah, it's first you, you've got You've got London, Birmingham. Where else? No, you that's it now, really. London and Birmingham. I used to have Coventry, but I don't really do Coventry now. And I do the comedy at the Bradford Literature Festival. That's in June, so that'd uh-huh. be quite nice. And I run a new material night at the Hound Hounds in oh, Leighton, God, I... which is just around the corner. Actually. Another place where I died. Trying out new material. Yeah, you better stop. Was... You're giving a false impression of your uh, the quality of your work. Yeah, sometimes here. I do. <laughs> you did die actually. Oh no, but yeah, I didn't get. As... It was new material. I didn't really get as many laughs as I would like, and I was like, yeah, so yeah, you think... new materials. That's the way I it know, goes. But it? you're kind of going really. Do you know what? That's there funny. was one night I did it there, and um, this mad guy in the audience called. He was called Rolfie or something, and he was no, there with clean. his long-suffering wife, and he was bonkers. You know, when you're trying to have a conversation with them, they're just giving you like ridiculous answers, and you just think they're trying to be funny, but you're just like, it's actually funny if you give me a straight answer because then I can make something funny out yeah. of your straight answer because like when they try it just blocks it really and then he came up to me in the interval and he went do you have an, a, a phone number i went mm, why well um you know i want to get involved in this you know i want to i want to i was like what you want to perform here and he went yeah 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 i went well this gig is for established comics well she wasn't very good but yeah i know but they're doing, doing new material, material. They're dedicated comedians. They're not getting paid for this and they're really professional and they're practising their new material before they take it into paid gigs. And he just didn't quite grasp it. And um, and I was going, have you done a course? He went, no, I'm, I'm a natural. And I was like... I'm funny down the pub. I went, no, no, you're not. So I just gave him Mirth Control's email address and went, <laughs> just go and have a look on there, go I and mean, do a that, course. That is annoying when you get people going, well, you know, I'm really funny down the pub. You're like, well, it's not it's really not the, the same, same thing. thing, is it? And I, I was at Top Secret and I was at the, I was emceeing, so often I, because I, I don't watch the acts, I was um, sitting at the, at the reception room and this guy came in and it was an interval and he went, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really good. I could, I could work here. Can I do a gig here? And I said, this is like really hard. It's one of the most popular clubs in London. There's months waiting this to get in. Yeah, but I'd like, yeah, 
you do realise there were like two TV names, like Paul Chowdhury was on, Sean Walsh was on the bill. It was really? like, you've got, you've got TV comics. Yeah, but I'm really good. Yeah, so are they. <laughs> and they get and they get people in, and it was like he just was like so didn't confident, get it. didn't get it. It's like no one cares how funny you are down the pub. Yeah, go and do a course, then go come back to us. You, presumably, you didn't have to do a course. You just I did a course. You actually did a course yeah, in, sta- in stand up comedy. I did a famous course that was at Jackson Lane Community Centre for years and years and Who years. Taught it. Rob Hitchmo. Oh, okay. And now Rob Hitchmo teaches at City Lit and I'm his stand-in teacher. Mm. And so whenever I start the course, I go, say something interesting about yourself. And then I, and then I go last and I go, your teacher taught me. So what is, the, what is the course? What are you actually studying? You study how to write a joke. You study things like rule of three, misdirection, stuff like that. What's the rule of three? The rule of three is if you're listening off, um, if you've got a list, it's always funny. It's always funny. Three is always funnier. For some reason... It's true though. But in speech writing, you know. But it's the rhythm of it. Uh So there's a lot. And you know, Churchill used it in speeches. Shakespeare used it. You know, Shakespeare would use it in his stuff. Mm. Was it? I I came. I saw. I conquered. There's some for some reason. It just really works. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Just works. Uh Yeah. You don't. It just. It's funny if it's three. And then you've got like stream of consciousness. Consciousness. You've got rants. You've got different types of joke writing. Yeah. Call back and reveal. Um, yeah, all that stuff. And then oh, mic technique, persona. It's really funny because when I go and teach Rob's class, because Rob's so lovely, isn't he? He's a really nice guy. And he, he doesn't really do stand-up anymore. So, And also, when they know he's not coming, half of them don't turn up, right? So it was always like a really empty classroom. And I was they were doing character one week. And this bloke just went up and I said, so you start the class and you go, right, do you, you know, you've got five minutes and then you do a critique and then you throw it out to the class and then you all critique it together, come up with punchlines, blah, blah, blah. And then you give him a bunch of homework. And this guy just went up and did his stuff. And I was like, no, I haven't been here for the last four weeks. But I'm guessing that's exactly what you do every week. So you haven't actually done a character. I went, there's a coat over there. There's a hat over there. Get a newspaper. Come in. Do an accent. Have a limp. Do you know what I mean? I was really harsh on him. And by the end of the class, they're all like, are you coming back next week? They love it. (laughs) I was like, no. And then I give them loads of really difficult homework. <laughs> Go write some topical stuff that could be on the news quiz. So where did the, the, the training, the formal training, as it were, fit into the scheme of things? Did you realise you wanted to be a comedian first and then do the training? Did you have some sort of degree yeah, of skill? Yeah, I, I grew up watching loads of comedy and just was really into it. Like my parents, you know, they would watch Dave Allen and Billy Connolly mm-hmm. and we had the albums and Jasper Carrot. And so, you know, I just listened to loads and loads of comedy as a kid. And then it's almost like coming out, isn't it? You sort of, you have to kind of, Realise that you know that's what, what you really want to do. It wasn't my idea. I what? Had no, no idea. To, I had no, never watched stand up. Never, into, not interested in it. Wasn't anything I thought I would ever do. And then if I was, uh, it was a friend because I was very depressed at the time. But I, and I was talking to her, but I kept cracking jokes. Like, I was unaware of this, but I kept cracking jokes. And she was like, even though I was really depressed, she went, you should do stand up. I was like, yeah, whatever. And I didn't. And she went, no. And she was really insistent that I do a course. I did like a thing at the Actors Centre. Rob Hitchmo, in fact. Uh, <laughs> and then Sally, he was away and Sally Holloway did it. That's how I, I got to know she? Sally Holloway. Oh, another friend of ours. And, um, very, who was a very good comedian. And uh, that was why I did it. I had no interest in stand-up. I'd been to one gig in the 80s, never went, never watched it, not least bit interested, knew nothing about it. And uh, You it was imposter, only, you! Yeah, and it was only because this friend went, you should do stand-up. And as soon as I did it, all my friends went, oh yeah, I can see you doing stand-up. Like, That's went, hilarious. I know. Everybody was like, oh, I can see you doing stand-up. It was nothing, I would never have thought of doing it myself. So I was in a band first. Most, most comics over the age of 40 are failed musicians. I played the bass. So you'd already, bass. you'd already had some experience of performing live. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was an ex-former actor, so I, that, that helps in the sense that you've got stagecraft. It can be a disadvantage, though. You know when you get actors who then act at being a stand-up? Ugh, and God. that is just really... Hate them. Hate them. It's really like, it, it doesn't work. So they're acting at being a stand-up. Yeah, you've got to be authentic and real to be stand-up because people can, people can, can see, see through it. And then I remember once this girl, she doesn't think she does now, she's very annoying. She was like, oh, you know, it's my fourth gig. But it's not really my fourth gig because I was on a two-week course. I went, yeah, it's your fourth <laughs> gig. And, um, and she went, well, no, not really because, you know, I did 10 years in, in comedy theatre. I went, yeah, it's your fourth gig. <laughs> It's like, it's like it's not the same, and we no, and nobody cares. I tell you what really bugs me, right? When they say people, they say, they would describe, they would describe like Olivia Coleman or Sally Phillips as as a comedian. You go, no, she's a comic actress. There's a massive, massive, massive difference. difference. I've never seen her backstage at the comedy store shitting herself before she goes on and does five minutes in front of Don Ward. I saw you put something on one of your sites. Why is everyone going on about Olivia Coleman? Oh God, she. It really <laughs> I do like. Me. I like. Oh, I like Olivia Coleman. I think she's a great actor. Yeah, but is it? 
she gets every fucking job. Yeah, but every single right. the only right, the only fucking show that really fucking woman say. isn't is on. <laughs> the only show she's not on is the news, and then she goes and wins an award, and she's on the fucking news. Yeah, but that's what people do. They they you know it's like you know they become the flavor of the month. It's like the comedy industry. flavor of the decade. Somebody becomes the flavor of the month, and they get they get all the roles. That's just how all of the roles. Yeah. I mean, every, it's like there's no other actresses in this. I know. Country. I find people it interesting. Go and watch it, and she's so nice. Friends isn't of mine saw lovely? her in a show recently on telly. I can't remember what it was. She was in some drama. In her defense, she's some, a very good actress, and they she's said, "Oh." She's amazing. I, yeah, she's I, must, I confess, I'd not seen her in anything. We watched this drama, and I thought, "Yeah, she's right. <laughs> Nothing special." No, no, but they were raving good. about her. I think she's very good. She's she's good. She's good. She's good. Oh, I'll even go. She's very good. But there's lots of other very good actresses yeah, out there but, yeah, who aren't that, getting the amount that, of work that she isn't. Yeah, but that's that. You can say that in the show business and all types of show business. Yeah, it's there's actors. There's actors. Certain actors of the flavor of the day, and they get all yeah. the work. You know, certain comics were getting. All, you know, there's a lot of comics on TV. We all know comics. I'm so sick of Olivia fucking Coleman. <laughs> You're just jealous. All the comics <laughs> jealous. Yeah, all the comics on the there's loads of comics on the circuit that never got on TV that we would Sean think Mia. is brilliant. Sean yeah. Mia is one of them. Roger Monk. If we were Roger Monk has brilliant. Phil Nickel. I mean, like Phil Nickel would you know who just rips every gig he's at. I mean, if we were asked to book live at the Apollo, we'd be, be a, booking the people. Be a very booking. different lineup because we book circuit comics. It's just, but you know, that's the way. The Have you performed together was. double act on stage? No. Double God, no. God, that would be a nightmare. It'd scare everybody. No. She shouted at me in the cinema. Are you oh, going to yeah. keep talking through this? It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. It did, I was a bit. It's because rough. the bus that was in the background had blocks which written on it and that's no. where I was born. <laughs> so I was really like, oh, look, it's blocked. I thought you stop talking. Look, you give a shit. <laughs> No, I can see I, it might no, not work. No, but I really hate people talking in the cinema. I'm like, I'm just watching it. But I, sh- I know, she was eating popcorn. I was like, are you going to rustle all the way through this? So, yeah, I mean, so, like, I did feel like I was a bit sharp and I thought, well, to be fair, Susan can take it. So yeah, I was like, yeah. fine. It probably wouldn't be a friendship much good, would it, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, we, we, we've both got the same thing, is that we're badly dubbed, isn't it? The, 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 because both our parents are Scot... Like, we both got Scottish Scot- parents. Scottish attitudes. Scottish, Scottish Very Scottish directness. Blunt, very blunt. Very, very blunt. direct. And I've got... A, well, you know, it's true. And if, you've got, if you're Scottish accent and it you're works. blunt, it's, you're just being Scottish. But you've got an English accent and you're being direct. You're just being a cunt, basically. Yeah. And that's that's the problem, that we're both very direct. And uh, another mutual friend of ours, Mandy Muden, who was... One of the semi-finalists in Britain's very Got Talent funny this year. Comic. Very, very funny. I was at her house once, and I think I shouted something up to her, and she went, I've just worked out why people take you the wrong way. I went, what do you mean? She went, it's because you've got a Scottish attitude, but you've got a black country accent. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. it's like I've been badly dubbed all my life. <laughs> it's true. It is true. It's... So what brought you down to London, then? From, you're from Wolverhampton, aren't you, originally? My parents are from Glasgow. Glasgow. I haven't, actually. I think I've travelled through it a few times on the M6. Yeah, that's the best way. Put your foot down. But you can't, and the M6 is always blocked at that bit. Um, my parents are from Glasgow. My dad couldn't... He was a meat inspector, newly qualified meat, meat inspector. He couldn't get a job in Scotland, so he got offered a job in Walsall, in the black country. And it came with a flat, and he had a young family. So they moved down to the Midlands. Sense, didn't yeah. know And didn't know a soul. Didn't know anyone. And my mom, listen to this for a tragic story. My mom was so lonely during the day, she would pick up the phone and listen to, she would dial the speaking clock just to listen to the, another adult voice. That's awful, isn't it, really? That's sad. Well, she tells a really, really good story because they, um, so they moved down when my brother was about a year and a half and then when, then I was born and then five years later and then they moved, they moved to a little town called Willanall, which is right next to, it's in, in between Wolverhampton and Warsaw. All Yale, Union and Shoblocks are made there, right? It's the only thing it's famous for. And my mum always tells me this story, but when she went into the town and she was trying to buy turnip, God knows why, we never eat fucking turnip at home. Anyway. <laughs> she's trying She's trying, no. She's trying to buy a turnip, nice. right? But she's going around the town and she's going into all the shops and going, do you have a turnip? And they're going, a what? A turnip? A what? And then they're getting people from the back. Of, Come and listen to her. What's she saying? Have you got a turn up? I don't understand what you're saying, love. Have you got? A, and then in the end, my mum said I was mortified because I had to go a turnip. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we went, we ain't got none. <laughs> <laughs> but then I came to uni down here and stayed. Right. I did media studies. I did a BA media hey. studies. What was your degree in? German and Russian. She can speak many languages. You're like a polymath, aren't you? Yeah, I speak five. Oh, I started learning Scottish Gaelic, which is very difficult, and I like languages. So, but yeah, 
basically five. Is that useful for what you do? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You do loads of gigs abroad, don't I you? I do gigs abroad. I've gigged in German, gigged in French. Oh, really? And what's really funny is when you're comparing, because people, like, no foreigner would expect a British comic to be able to speak languages. No. So when they are from somewhere else, because I've got an Austrian accent when I speak German, so if they're Viennese, I will really put on the thick Austrian accent and I had somebody almost fall off their chair because you just wouldn't expect that so it actually does work when you're when you're gigging because you can you've got another string to your you. and people are people are always surprised and you know I've got lots of jokes about speaking languages because whatever happens in your life you can you can you just cannibalise it for your stand up every time anything goes wrong in your life you're just thinking even though it's awful awful you're thinking that would be material this is material <laughs> it's terrible isn't it? yeah 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 Jen Bristow who had, she said she goes she did this she should do it as a joke on stage she went this is the, the comic's attitude. Have you heard about Dave? No. His whole family's been killed in a car crash. Lucky bastard. That's his Edinburgh show sorted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, it's terrible. Yeah, for a comedian, that is funny. Because you are kind of going, oh yeah, that is true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the Dead Dad show. Dead Dad show. There's loads of them around. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, it does work. You know, being able to speak languages, I think. So when you have an idea, I mean, in the bath, on the bus or whatever, do you, do you make a mental note of it? Do you have a notebook oh, where you keep all you're your... you're meant to write it down, because what I've done so many times, I'll remember that, and you never, you never do. do. I've done that thing where you move a ring from one finger to another one to remind oh. you of something, but then you forget what Forget where you put the ring on. I make notes in my phone, actually. And then what's the worst? I've done that before. Is you put one word, which reminds you of the joke. So I've got an old joke, which I, I can't remember what it was, and the word is 24. But I don't know what the 24 is. And it's like... Hours to Tulsa? No, I don't know. So you have like one word, you know, so like when you write stuff on your hand, you're like, I don't know. You know, to remind you of certain jokes. You know, I write on Facebook. If I'm writing a smart-ass comic under something, I go, actually, that's quite good. Because, you know, more, uh, Ninja Benjamin, who we've already mentioned, she was flying to, I think she was going to Scotland or something, and she was going on about, you can't take liquids through the security. And I went, but Ninja, that's been Nin- law for like years. That's been law for 13 years. Oh, it came as a shock to her, didn't it? Yeah, and I was like... And I was like, knew and then, surprised, but, then, but... but then I said, are you still smoking in pubs? Are you still driving without a seatbelt? Are you sending children up a chimney? <laughs> and then I wrote that down. I thought, That's got to, that, that'll work on stage. And when really... you do that in real life, you say something, you go, oh, yeah, that'd be actually very good. Yeah. And you do nick it. I mean, well, but all these ideas, yeah, that's true. And all these ideas which are jumbled up in little higgledy piggledy, do you then put them together in a piece coherent. of coherent fashion? Yeah, because it'll fit. It sometimes it'll fit with other stuff, won't it? Really, there's no, always not, something. You just kind of wangle it. You just wangle it in. Crowbar it. In. I mean, I'm writing a show at the moment. Are you? Yeah. Are you really writing a show? Well, theoretically, I'm here today. <laughs> but I just went to the cinema so we can see how well my writing's going. Um, tomorrow's my birthday, so I'm not going to oh, be Oh, happy here. birthday. Thank you. Um, happy birthday. I'm the same age I've been ever since you've met me, yeah. I think. I've Amazing. never haven't aged. I don't know how you've managed it. I know. Everybody I know is now older than me. But I am. Um, so, yeah, you, you kind of write things. But I mean, I'm not. What's really your next show going to be called? Called then? Out of Sync at the moment. Because I'm not what I what people think. Is that because you don't tidy up? So there's well, there, is, there is that. <laughs> no. What does that mean? Uh, well, because I I don't think I don't I don't think I am what people think of me. I my family is Scottish. Obviously, I don't sound Scottish. Working class, but I went to university. I went to predominantly black schools. So I don't have any white friends till I was eighteen. Also, I'm, I, I think I'm quite I'm perhaps more well educated and better read than some people think. So it's quite funny when people talk down to me because I. You yeah, certainly you got more languages than people. Would get. Huh? You certainly can speak more languages than people. Yeah, would yeah. Get. People don't realise that. Uh-huh. Um, that's why somebody says you're very to me. kind of literary, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I you know I've read I think I've read four books this year so far. I'm on Google at the moment, but but people don't expect that to me. But also, I went to a very rough school, so like if you know two guys in, in Asda because I live in the dream, try to push in front of me these two uh, guys, and I just went mental. I threw their stuff on the <laughs> thing. We had security come up. It was hilarious. And you could see that because they thought middle-aged white woman, what am I going to do? I'm not going to do anything. And um, Cross the wrong woman. And then by turning to North London girl, it's hilarious. Like I, you know, And then I go into North London when I lose the temper. And they were like, oh, okay, these two young guys were going, calm down. I'm like, you bloody calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they obviously thought I would, wouldn't say anything. Yeah. And it was just, cause I, and, but I don't, you know, but I don't, but then on the other hand, you know, I've got bloody 19th century Russian literature in my bag. So it's, it's a very weird, very weird combination. You know, like my, my, my whole thing is I love, like I'm a big Austrophile, I love Austrian Viennese literature. Very, you know, and it, it's just very, it's a very weird, but I'm an 80s soul girl. It's a very weird combination. You're a strange fish, Very strange fish, but you know, for how, if, how I look, I, you know, because I, I am very, I would say assertive. But you know, but I've got I've got Scottish working class background, so it was all like you've got to stand up for yourself and rub at the Bruce and all that patriotic stuff. 
And then I went to all black school. And never take our freedom or our places in the queue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, I went to all black school where I had to stand up for myself there, you know, and it's all that. It's very, so like I do the black circuit, so I do a middle-aged white woman. Sometimes I walk like, oh, two, I walk on, you can see people going, why is management turned up on stage? You know, it's (laughs) it's hilarious. gig off. You know, somebody double parked outside or something. (laughs) You know, and and you can see that people think that. And then, you know, then I go, as soon as I open my mouth, they can tell that, you know, you can tell what background I've had. But it is funny, like, you know, security, like getting into the O2, I was doing the O2 for the first time. Couldn't get in because I said, look, I'm, I'm one of the comics and all, it's all young black men. It was young black men, me and Tanya Moore. That was it. And they just laughed. They laughed in my face. Right. And I was like, what you, I'm one of the comics. And they just because they just thought, I don't know, woman's mad. mad. Yeah. Some of the cleaners trying to get in for a free ticket or something. <laughs> and, you know, and it was hilarious. And I was like, I'm one of the kind co- like they just were not having it. And I was like, I'm the white woman on the poster. Still won't have it. And then this other girl, this other security woman went, oh, yeah, she's she's one of the comics. And you can see them looking, going, this is a car crash waiting to happen. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it was just like, I, can't, I thought Michael McIntyre does have this trouble getting into it. He wasn't playing that room, he, though, was he, really? Yeah, he could probably play that room, actually. But it, it was funny. And then um, I had a great gig. Everybody had a great gig. And I remember telling the head of security what happened. He went, you sure you didn't die at this one? No, this one actually had a very <laughs> this good is a gig. First. <laughs> I, for a first time ever, I ripped I rip the arse of the gig. Actually, so much so, I've never done this in my life. I dragged the mic up backstage and came back down bowing. It was just hilarious. It was a fucking brilliant gig. Good for you. And then security, the head of security, I said, you, and I told him what happened. He went, this will never happen again on my watch. That will never happen again. And you're like, every yeah, time going to happen anyway, mate. <laughs> every time I've done O2, no, it meant about me not getting into the venue. No, I know what you mean. And every time I've done O2, it's happened every single time. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, I'm one of the comics. Oh, dear. Fantastic. You turn up in a clown with a clown nose on. Some uh, big shoes in the clown car. <laughs> yeah, and also I do a lot of gay gigs. I do a lot of lesbian gigs. And that's my... I, I love lesbian audiences. What makes them so special? I don't know. I think I just because I've played them more than any audience. They're I've. very switched on, aren't they? Yeah, I, and I've played... I think I'm more really comfortable because I play... I've probably played more le- audiences that are gay than any other kind of audience. A, I run a gig which is predominantly has a gay audience because mm. uh, I run all female comedy nights which appeals to, to so gay women. So do you sort of tweak your sort of act? No, not really. I, I just... am myself. You know, you can't... Like I did my one... Yeah, but when you do black gigs you say in it a hell of a lot more. Really, <laughs> do I? You really do. Is it though? Is <laughs> <laughs> it a black gig? Yeah, the one at the William Morris. Oh, okay. When you were emceeing. Uh, was I emceeing it? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's probably nerves. I am, um, no, I, no, because I'm, you know, I'm a straight woman. I, you know, and what's weird is when you see straight women before coming to a gay gig and they're really worried because the woman's predominantly gay. And the first thing they go is, oh, I, you know, I dabbled at being a lesbian once. You think, no, you didn't. <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> it's not going to endear you to an audience if you're going to, you just got to be yourself. You sure. have to be yourself. Um, but then you can't turn up to a lesbian gig and do all your cock material, can you? But, no, but I mean, I, I do. <laughs> But I um I think if you, if you, is there quite a lot of that? No, well, sadly no. Um, my memory's not that good. But I am. Um, it, it depends because if they like you, you can say what you like. This is the thing about comedy: if the audience likes you enough, you can say anything. You, you can like, say whatever you like, and they give you permission to say that. So uh, you know, if I did a gay gig, I probably would go on about you know I would get them to like me first. But, but if I'm talking about my love life, it'll be about straight sex because that's what I do. It won't be me pretending to be a lesbian. And, you know, in relationships, the basis of relationships, it doesn't really matter who you're sleeping with. It's the bases are all the same, aren't So they? do you have to give your best bit, your your golden nuggets, right at the outset to get to, you, to win what, them What my comment to you, start, you start off strong. A, you start off strong. Put your dodgy you, stuff in the middle and then you, and you went strong. strong yeah. yeah. Or strong. your less strong stuff. Or you put, your, you put your new stuff in the middle because if it goes wrong, you know you've got other stuff that, you, that can pick it yeah, up. Yeah, but you always start. And when people don't know you, you've got to get them to... You've got to kind of sell your board. personality within about yeah. the first 30 seconds. Yeah. You're 30 seconds and that's but it. But being self-depreciating... Usually start. Yeah, that's what most that people do because well. it gets people on board. And yeah. if that first one, which is your strong one, doesn't work, then you're really... Then, then you're really... Then you're really, then you're really, really you're plough through. <laughs> you have to plough through. Keep going. Because yeah. you've got to do your 20 minutes, haven't you? So what's blunt force trauma? We've had your... Um, <laughs> like, what's blunt force trauma? Sounds pretty... I watch a lot of murder porn because I really like it. You know all those murder documentaries, uh-huh. and I realised there's a brilliant, there's a really, um, the American ones are really formulaic. Can you just put a nose ring in while I wasn't? Yeah, I just put my jewellery on. Um, the American ones are really formulaic. What they have, they have um, documentary enactment, and then they have a wizened ex detective, mm-hmm. and they have a, a very, uh, a very quite an old female journalist. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then somebody, uh, somebody gets sent, you know, they've killed a woman and then they get sent, sent to the death chair. So that's quite good. And I just like the phrase blunt force trauma. So I'm doing my solo show at the Leicester Comedy Festival on the 7th of February. 
and it's just quite a nice vague title because it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, because I'm quite blunt, I'm quite forceful, and maybe Don't you know, you and then you might, you know, and from everyone some probably of, from, leaves traumatized. Yeah, from some of the dark subjects, you <laughs> might come out traumatized. Yeah, I mean, usually when you do a show, you you write a title that is really vague because so you haven't written the, the show, show yet, and you don't yeah. really know you don't really know what you're going to write, and you haven't got any jokes. So you're like, you do something really vague, and then you can hopefully, yeah, that's what people do vaguely. Refer, oh yeah, that. But because the well, unless you've got a specific idea, really on. But the print for Edinburgh brochure is very early, early, and then the, you know the festival six months later. So people have to sort of like, oh god, you have to pull a title out your ass, don't you? Hence, out of sync. Yeah, but my next one's going to be called "I Can Make You Scared of Flying," and that'll be all about my obsession with plane crashes. I love a plane crash. I've got and some... trauma, clearly. Yeah, love it. Can't get enough. <laughs> Can't get it. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. As long as it's not in your life. I'm a bit weird, really. We're all none of no comedians Most are normal. Most comics are slightly a bit screwy. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I think yeah. I'm an incredibly normal person, and then I, do... I think everyone else is weird. Yeah, and then I think everyone else is weird, and I do. I do a podcast with Jen Brister, where she just rips me apart, and then she just takes the piss out of what I've been doing, and I'm like, but like to me, it's pretty pretty normal, isn't it? I mean, but everybody thinks they're normal. I think. But do you think comedians are more unhinged than? The most normal. I think the men are. Hunters. I think the women are quite grounded. <laughs> I think the men are a bit more. They're quite mad, aren't they? I don't. Know, there's some mad women around. Um, yeah, but for, um, 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 generally, the women are a little bit more. I I do normal. think I think um, most comics it is it's like is going out again. You love me. I mean, they're obviously being bullied. I was bullied at school. I don't know if you were, but no. I um I think a lot of it is basically going love me, love me, mm. because I think you're just you're just and it's weird because no matter what you do in life as a comic. I actually wrote an article about this for my blog. You're never satisfied. So, you know, you think if I if I get that club, you're like, you're trying to get into these clubs. Sometimes it can take years to get into a club. You get into that club, you've played the gig, and you're like, all right, it's, it's another I want to do that club now. Like, I want to do that club now. Yeah, there's, or some, there's always something to be sort of like. So even if you've got TV, after. like, say you wanted to do, you would desperately do live at the Apollo. Even if you got live at the Apollo, as soon as you did it, you'd be like, oh, I want to do a sitcom now. Want to do, yeah. <laughs> and that is, that is the comedian. It's like, you know. I want to be Steve Coogan. You are never satisfied with what. And it. I think it's basically. I think every creative is like that, but that's what keeps you going. I I, think, I agree with that because I think that I just I wish I could be one of those. I could just be a fucking civil servant and be content with it, but I couldn't. Do you no, know what I, mean? I could do that. Just not me. But you know, the, the the people that never get better as a comic are those people who, um, no matter how badly they do, will come off and go stormed it, and you're just like, you know, yeah, you just died on your ass. There are some deluded people. And out there. if you don't, and generally, I think most co- good comics are overcritical. So like, I saw Jen Bristol like, do live at the Apollo. She was brilliant. She was great. She's a great great comic. Absolutely brilliant. I know her set back to front. I was backstage. I was a backstage buddy. And she came off. She went, did I do all right? And I went, are you kidding? I thought, are you kidding me? Just ripped the arse out of the gig. And she said, I I stumbled three times. I went, well, I noticed one. But I'd be the only person who noticed. Yeah, no one else could No one else would notice. It's TV, so it doesn't really matter. And um, she was worried about those three little things. But they can edit it. They can edit it anyway. But that's what a typical comic does. You will have 20 minutes where you rip it. And the only thing that you're bothering about is that one joke. Or the one that you forgot. Yeah, or the one joke where you didn't get the laugh that you think you should have got. Or, yeah, oh, I didn't do that bit. Damn it. Yeah, I annoy myself. And you're always always annoyed about that one little thing, not the fact. Because in your head, when you're rehearsing it, and time and time again, perfecting it, you want to make sure. Rehearsing? Rehearsing? What is this word? I don't think we do. So, um... But, How foolish and that's be. and that, that's what I think makes a a good comic because you're always you're never satisfied you're always and it's really annoying always but working you're, you're always working you're always trying to get better you're always trying doing to write new, new stuff night. and doing new material and mm. writing and performing and and you, you you develop as a performer but what's brilliant there are comics that are I like the fact that there's a such a wide age range and there are comics like again people that you know people that I haven't heard of like Jeff Innocent. He's getting better and better all the time. And Jeffy's early 60s. Yeah, must And then be. you've got people like Davy Johns, Davy Johns, who was the lead part in I, da- I Daniel Blake. Blake. He was thinking of giving up, wasn't he, before that? Yeah, got and that. he's been going for donkeys, donkeys years. And he's an excellent comic. And then suddenly he got this part in this film and he's, like, he's been to Cannes, he's met Olivia fucking Coleman. <laughs> and his life has completely changed. And now he's, he's, he's like, a, he calls himself a film star because he's a Geordie, right? So, um, but I mean, him and... Him and Jeff are both just excellent comics, and you know people are constantly improving all the time. Aren't and sometimes they? you see somebody and you haven't seen them for a while, and then you see them, and you're like, "Damn, yeah, they've written you a know. whole new twenty minutes." Yeah, yeah, that's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, all right, mate, all right. It's always like that. It's always lines. She writes so She's much prolific, new stuff. Isn't she? I tell you, what's prolific at the moment. Uh, Mark Steele's son Elliot. He did oh, really? recently, and I didn't. Rec- I gigged with him a few months previous at the backyard, and um, and I was like. 
God, Elliot, I didn't recognise any of those jokes. He went, yeah, I've not been drinking, I've not been partying, I've been doing my um, martial arts, I've been doing loads of writing. He, he gets a little bit of help off his dad, which you would do, because no. Mark's brilliant, isn't he? It's, that's annoying, though. I really hate it. Uh, <laughs> Jen Brister's really good at turning over material. It's like, all right, Jen, stop showing off. So, yeah, so, but that, I think that's all part of being... And it, it, it drives people insane, it drives you insane, that kind of... Because you are, no matter what, whatever, however well you're... I've never met a comic, really, irrelevant on how well their career's going, who's happy with their career. They always want... More. They always want more. It's funny, actually, you say that, because I've just read a book by um, the Amer- famous American stand-up actor and comedian Steve um, Steve Martin. Oh, yeah. Called Born Standing Up. It's a really good book. Yeah, I've read that. Have you read it? I it's a fantastic it. book. It's really... I thought it was all right. It wasn't... Yeah. yeah, I mean, because um, uh, Terry Alderton mentioned that book to me. Yeah. And I bought it because he'd said it was brilliant. And I read it, I was like, yeah. It's, it's more right. of a memoir of his struggles and yeah, his journey. Yeah, yeah. And what you was know. he saying? Well, it was just that he... It just talks about his, his early years playing gigs in Disneyland I think wasn't it at the beginning and all the small bars and clubs and this is which everybody could, does yeah and how he eventually built up to be one of the sort of most successful oh, American stand-up comics in the world he was the biggest, world, biggest stand-up so playing yeah. in front of you know huge audi- you know, auditoriums well you can't keep that level up. I mean most people can't keep that level because people's stars kind of go up and down don't they really well he ended up hating it in the end didn't he because he just he just hated turning up on stage and the expectations of people you know doing the same things they always wanted to do you know the arrow through yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. the banjo wrapped around him and never actually play a note and all that sort of stuff and he just got bored with it and that was having had that passion of wanting to go through and perfect and perfect and perfect and improve and he got to a level where i can't do this anymore because also i think people people do that because they think it's gonna make them happy yeah and you but it doesn't so i mean so then you've got you've got that added issue so i think that that that's another thing I think people do. So you think, you know, mm. if I if I perform like if I perform in front of twenty thousand people, that'd be amazing. Mm. But then of course once you do that, even if you're a great gig, you can still be depressed as a comic. Because you have that great gig, people telling you you're brilliant, you're like, Oh, thank you very much. And then half an hour later, they've gone home, the evening's over, and you're back to where you were before. So you've got that kind of massive adrenaline going up and down. Yeah, and of yeah. course. Quite, but of course at his level depressing. he was travelling the world and you know, well, see, leaving is, his this partner. Is the bane. This is where it's always funny oh, when you hear new people. God. New people who want to be comics go, I hate travelling. Think, well, don't do the job, love. Because yeah, you're not going to like any of it. You're not going to like any of it. Because the whole thing about travel, like the first two weeks in January, I was travelling. I think I had about two, three days off. I was in Antwerp. I was in, I can't remember where, I was all over this place. But... Must have been and there's Birmingham. nothing more depressing when you come home and you're unpacking your suitcase and packing at the same time. Yeah. Like, I've got enough knickers. I haven't got enough knickers. Uh, no, I've got lots of knickers. I've prepared for that. But it's, it's, <laughs> you are travelling a lot. And so the last thing that most comics ever want to do is actually travel. Because you're like, if I have to get on a train one more time. I drive. I do so much late night driving and the highways agency, who are the bane of my life, are constantly closing the motorways at night. And it's been going on for about six years now. And... You know, I've been on the phone. Mandy, she got diverted off and she was like nearly in tears because the signs always run out. Oh, yeah. And you're like, I didn't think I'd need this much you petrol. Bur- we went round Birmingham twice because they hadn't done the signs properly. Uh, it drives you... I, I, I'd like to write. I'd like to meet the guy who puts those signs out and stick one of them right up his ass. Well, there must be plenty of good material there for you. Oh, I've written so, a whole routine about the highways. I, I go, I go to them on Twitter. I'm constantly going and going. Has any is the M6 actually cursed? Has anybody bothered well, I mean, to check? And this, this is the problem. Like, we, I was doing a gig at just Bob King's Heath, King's Lynn, sorry, in Norfolk. And it's slightly us, different. <laughs> yeah, it took us five and a half hours to get there because the motorway had closed down. Oh, God. M11 had closed. We were stuck on the motorway for an hour. Horrendous. So you're sitting there and you're like, and luckily they the still gig? wanted the gig because we were there so late. You, there's a danger that you're just going to miss the gig, but they were like so desperate to have us, and I to come anyway. We arrived at half ten. What? Yeah, wow. did the gig. Do you remember when we drove down to Folkestone and they'd shut the black walls? Oh yeah, she was very calm about it. <laughs> she was very, very annoyed, and she started uh, trying to hit her own windscreen with a sat. No, 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 sat no, 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 no. That's that's not actually the story. And she and I took it away from her. She went, "I'm really annoyed." I went, "Well, you're hiding it well." Well, no, <laughs> we were driving. We'd left super early. It was the Saturday before we got Christmas. Stuck. We got stuck on the way there. They'd shut the black wall tunnel. And, of course, it's Saturday traffic coming out of Westfield as well. Yeah. We got down and, like, literally we didn't move for so- an hour. We, we didn't Sucking move an inch. Didn't move an inch. So we end up coming out of that traffic and it was just... And we were we had to drive... I had to drive like a fucking lunatic to get to the gig on time. We got there after the gig should have started. You were MC and I was on after you. It was good to be late as the MC. Yeah, because it doesn't make you in the slightest bit stressed. And... um. <laughs> And then on the way back, because it was like a live sat-nav, you know, those ones that are meant to yes. work out the traffic, and yeah. it drove us back into traffic up the Blackwall Tunnel, and I ended up punching my sat-nav. So like, you fucking prick! I <laughs> punched it off the window! <laughs> I had to take it off her. She's like, I'm really annoyed, but you're hiding it well. Yeah. Oh, God. 
Fucking so Tom Tom shit, man. Use Waze. Don't ever use Tom Tom. I got here using Waze. Huh? She was very Tom good Tom is absolute is. rubbish. The ones built and I actually ran up Tom Tom. I went, how come? I meant because I remember once the M one was shut and the A one was shut as well. So it took me hours to get home. I was up north somewhere and um, ended up ringing up Tom Tom. Going, why does your sat nav not know about these road closures? Oh, well, we get our information from so and so, so and so. I was like, it's no use to me. So I, I sacked it off and used Waze, which is loads better. It's free, isn't it, Waze? Ways, yeah. Free, free. Ways is free and it's it by free. far and away the best. So it is. I'm all not, comics, not all comics use Ways. Apparently, hasn't it been bought by Google? Google actually own it. So I think Ways It should be Google in all Maps. cars because the one in my car is absolutely hopeless. The one in my car is yeah, rubbish as utterly well. Utterly useless. Yeah. And also... What did we do before we had the sat-nav? Sat- using the sat-nav <laughs> and somebody rings you, the sat-nav switches off and it always they always ring you when yeah. you're lost and you're like, no, I'm late and you're ringing me and I can't find it now because you're ringing... Oh, it's yeah, goodbye. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, nightmare. Well, I think on that note, seeing as I have got to travel home, um, but before we wrap, I mean, we, I think you two should have your own podcast. You'd have, 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 have a weekly version. <laughs> you, I, got yeah. one, haven't you? <laughs> well, when we remember to do you it. might not be able to perform live on stage together, but you should definitely have your own podcast. Well, thank you. Where just where are you performing next, and where can people find you on social media um, and on your website? My website is susan murraycouk My gig website is redimpcomedyclub.com. That's based in Walthamstow. I gig all over the country. My dates are generally on, I think they're generally on Ents24, aren't they? I don't really put them on my website because I can't be bothered to watch ages because it's different every week. I mean, I'm at Balham this week. Uh-huh. I don't know when this Balm. podcast is going Nice out. gig, Banana Cabaret. It is a nice gig. It's been there a long, long time, actually. So that'd be fun. And I can't remember where I am I'm the week after because I haven't got my diary in front of me. And it's a different place every night. Uh, she is. And just and, and Red Imp is in Walthamstow. It is in Walthamstow. And I've got, so Very Red nice Imp's gig. I've got a new material night in Leighton and I might be gigging... I might be booking a gig in central London, but Ooh. I don't know yet. So I'll be emailing you about that one. Um, and now Maureen. <laughs> my gig is My Comedy London or My Comedy Birmingham, if you're in Birmingham. And it's the London one's the first Thursday of the month. And if you look at MaureenYounger.com, all the things are there. My gig list, my podcast, my oh, vlogs. Can you update your gig list? Yeah. Wow. But it, it, it does it automatically. I've got somebody to sort this out for me. Awesome. Yeah. That's so you just, have to put, you just have to put the thing in anyway. It works out. So, it's, yeah, it's updated. Because also sometimes I, I forget what I'm doing. So I need to look at it. Very, very organised. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm doing, and I'm doing some tours with Noreen Khan um, all over the shop, basically. And it's all on your respective websites. Yeah. yeah. find out where you are. Yeah, and feel free to listen you, to our vlogs some, and give you some new podcasts. material, something to shout and scream about. And if you're always oh, an Outlander fan, I do a podcast with, about Outlander with Jen Brister, who hates it. I hate that program. So does Jen Brister, but I've made her watch it. <laughs> I know nothing about it. We both it. went to see, independently, didn't realise, we both went to see Hamilton last, last night. Last night, yeah. Oh, okay, but not good? together, but we were both there. I thought it was great. I hate musicals. Yeah, <laughs> you got, probably went to the wrong show. I got press ganged into going, into going, I was like... Why do they keep singing? It's a musical. Stop singing, Will. Oh, my God. And then that guy who was rapping and you couldn't understand the word. I was like, oh, for God's sake. What's the point in this? What is the point? Okay, I had a different experience <laughs> from Susan. <laughs> Luckily, I wasn't with her. I was with Jen Brister and her girlfriend and a friend and another friend. And we had a very good time. So we enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I had a lovely time. I went with Ayesha Hazarika. used to work for the Labour Party. And another girl, Sarah Southern, used to work for the Tory Party. So I'm with my little... And Were they, you in the middle? And, and they enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they loved it. And it's very well done. So. I recommend it. But the ticket prices are outrageous, aren't they? Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't. Well, you paid. We were up. The, we were up in the gods, but yeah. yeah. We had decent seats. I knew someone, so we got like a good offer and yeah. deal. But anyway, thank but you I would recommend both it. very much indeed, Bye, Su- Susan Bye, and Maureen. Yeah, we're and about to go and have a fight in the kitchen now. Off oh, you go. No, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Bye.